0: This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming and innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO and Chief Product Officer of Brightloom, Adam Brotman and Ben Straley.
1: Hey, Ben. Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited uh, for this episode. This is going to be a great one.
2: Yeah, it is. I was really looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, we have uh, with us, Annie Young-Scrivener, CEO of Godiva. So besides being a total big shot in her own right, uh, Annie and I and you, Ben, all worked together for a time at Starbucks. Uh, Annie, when I was just uh, coming up as a chief digital officer, Annie was chief marketing officer, global chief marketing officer for Starbucks, and I learned a ton from her. And now that she's uh, the CEO of Godiva... Uh, she's the perfect person to have on our show. I'm really excited to talk to her. Yeah, we're lucky to have her. Yeah, Annie, welcome.
0: Thank you, guys. You guys are my one of my favorite people. At school. So it's <laughs> great to see you guys on on screen. If I was there, I'd give you a hug. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're podcasting and social distancing at the same time. This is great, Annie. Uh, obviously, Ben and I know your background. A lot of people do, but can you just give a quick uh, background on, uh, you know, your, your career and sort of how you ended up at Godiva.
0: Sure. I'm, you're looking at the American dream, you know, little girl that came from China not a stitch at English, landed here at seven in the Seattle area, grew up, went to University of Washington for my undergrad, and then landed at PepsiCo for 20 years. And one of my favorite roles was running the China business. And then met Howard um, and went to Starbucks and had the opportunity to work with amazing people like Adam and Ben for seven years. And then ventured off to this assignment. I've been at Godiva for three years now and just absolutely loving the experience.
2: That's great, um, Annie, and, and can you tell us a little bit about um, uh, in the uh, CEO position at Godiva today, um, how has the company um, uh, operated sort of leading up to the, to the pandemic and then, and then how have you and, and the team responded um, with all of these uh, changes that have happened since the uh, start of the pandemic?
0: I think, you know, the lessons learned, great lessons from every company, but probably the biggest one is Starbucks on the transformation of the consumer and migration to digital. I think you and Adam had such amazing DNA and footprint into that. So one of the first things that when I landed at Godiva was to do a listing tour across the globe to synthesize what are the areas of big opportunity and how do we better engage with consumers across the globe? We're a 95 year company that was founded by an entrepreneur. We're in hundred countries across the globe. So our life cycle of our brand is very different in the U.S. and it is in Asia or in the Middle East and Europe. And so um, one of the things that we landed on was, how do we ensure that we're engaging with our consumers more frequently? And there's three key strategies. One is how do we ensure that we're expanding on our chocolate offering so we're really well known for formal gifting. How do we ensure that we're meeting more consumer needs states? The second area is what are the categories that complement chocolate and how can we expand in that way? And the third is how do we ensure that we get invited into co- consumers' life more frequently? And that is through the digital engagement, it's through the physical engagement and how do we wrap that up? And so as we started on our journey, Uh, We were looking at expansions of our different channels, expanding into consumer packaged goods so that we could be more reachable, expanding into casual gifting for self, for sharing, and then also looking at how can we bring our cafe business across the globe. We have spots of that in Europe and Middle East, but not necessarily in the US. And so that was our plan. And underneath that is about building capability. And a big part of the capability building is refreshing the digital tech stack. Um, It's talking about investing in the right way, both on the consumer front, but also on the foundational infrastructure front. And then how do we engage? So we were trucking along. (laughs) We loved our growth at the start of the year. And what we were able to see was the pandemic start to happen in China. And that gave us a front row seat. But what I would tell you, it's so different than when you're seeing it from afar, than when you're living it. As it hit the U.S., a couple of things surprised us. Uh, One was the duration. So if you look at a lot of parts of the globe, they're back up and running. For us, you know, we're just starting to open. And what changed for us is parts of our business. So if you look at our digital business, our e-commerce and our digital selling, we probably have reached our four-year goal of where we wanted to be in year one. And in fact, for this Mother's Day, we exceeded Black Friday and Cyber Monday goals from last year, which is unbelievable. Wow. And so, it's been really, really incredible. Our consumer packaged goods business is also thriving, doing really well. But the brick and mortar portion, well, it's opening up all across the globe. We're just starting that path in the U.S. So I would say that Ben has been the biggest change. The second biggest change for us is travel retail. It's a, it's a healthy business for mm-hmm. us. And the travel patterns of consumers have completely changed. I was talking to one of the board of directors from Um, a travel agency yesterday, and she said, you know, it's probably going to be 18 to 24 months. And that's what we're also anticipating. The way consumer travel will be less international, it'll be more regional, it'll be more local. So we have protected our employees and our customer first. And then we've developed a plan on how do we ensure not that we survive, but it's all about thriving. So when we open up our cafes and our boutiques all across the globe, we have our own Godiva app. People could now mobile order and pay. They could do website delivery. Uh, We could deliver to their home. And those are just now table stakes for consumers. And so that's been, it's been a big change. And I would say it was for all of you, what you're experiencing too, 24-7 for the first, I would say, almost four weeks, twenty-four-seven, just changing, pivoting, and now it's at a more manageable pace. How
2: how uh, that's really interesting. I mean, how how well prepared would you say, in hindsight, would you say, Godiva was to um, make these changes very quickly? I mean, based on the the story that you just told, it's pretty remarkable how fast. Um, the, the company was able to adapt to, to some of these things. And I'm curious, how much of this, you mentioned curbside delivery and the app and other things mm-hmm. like that, how much of that was either already in place or on the roadmap versus things that the teams just had to kind of figure out on the fly and, and enable in a very rapid and, and agile way?
0: Yeah, I would say that it was already on the roadmap, but what it did is it forced us to accelerate. Yeah. And I think what happens is when you're in a crisis situation and that's where the whole globe was, I was calling friends and people saying, Hey, any advice, have you gone through this before? And the answer is you take the nine 11, you take the financial crisis, you make it a lot worse. That's the situation that we're in. Mm
1: -hmm. And in
0: those situations, you have to make sure that you stay true to your values, but you also have to just double down and amplify and move faster on the things that you believe in. So what it did is, you know, things that probably would have taken two months took two weeks because everybody was very aligned, hyper focused, locking arms on delivering what we needed to go do. And then you just have to go and test it out. minimal viable product that you just, yeah. just continued to tweak.
2: And do you do you sense that some of those changes to how you're you're sort of operating internally and how decisions are getting made very rapidly? Are those things that you you see continuing uh, even into this period where things are maybe a bit more stable than they, they were in the early uh, weeks and months?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Such a great question. Absolutely. And here here's why. Um, shortly, just a couple of weeks ago, I did a four week listening tour across the globe asking very simple questions, what would we continue to go do in this environment? What will we stop? And what are the recommendations? And so there are great things that happen in this very unfortunate situation that will allow us to perform much better in the future. And part of it is virtual working. I think that that is gonna, parts of it is gonna be here to stay.
1: You know, Annie, I, What's so interesting about one thing you just said a minute ago was just you're going through like how you've had to adapt and the lessons learned, but you you had a front row seat because you have such a global business. You saw what happened in China, as as did a lot of people. Starbucks had that same ability and just a lot of people in the globe did. And I it's interesting, right? I, I hadn't thought of it before you said it, that we all sort of thought this might just be a couple months before we could get back to something that felt a little bit more like it used to feel um, and I think that's because we you know you watch what happened in certain countries, and then when that hasn't happened here in the u s it's just been interesting, as you've said it that way to 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 think about how um you know that kind of caught us by surprise you know nobody has a like you said nobody has an exact playbook for something like this, and I just thought that was really interesting comment you made let me let me ask you a question kind of switching gears for a second let's talk about godiva itself mm-hmm. and the product and your customers um, you're you know 90 plus company i think your old company That's you've got
0: your 95th anniversary 90,
1: 95 years um, you know you've you've got a mobile app you've got a website uh you've got retail locations uh all over the globe um you've got uh cpg business i mean you, you're it's a it's a big very interesting big business talk about your customer and when you think about your customer as CEO of Godiva when you think about the Godiva customer how first of all just give us a sense of how do you think about your customer both qualitative and quantitative like who are they how many are there what kind of a relationship do you have with them like just when you think about your customer in, in all of those dimensions how do you think about your customer?
0: You know, we really look at consumers in two ways. Um, The consumer that's shopping chocolate in totality. So who who is that customer? And then also because our roots started in um, gifting. So we also look at that segment as well. And then figuring out what are the consumer need states? And then how do we ensure that we're engaging so I'll give you an example. We looked at the just the chocolate bar segment. And this is something, that, this is interesting because we actually launched this during COVID, which is something that you probably don't want to go do. It's our new chocolate bar. And this started by understanding the consumer. So we understood how consumer consume a chocolate bar. We don't, most people don't eat it all in one sitting, even though sometimes I admit, I, I do do that. <laughs> you take a little bite You have another little bite. And so one of the things that we thought is, well, could we make that easier for consumer? And these are all like hindsight. And you could say it's super, super lucky, but we have, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a plastic peel. It's perfect for post COVID out. You pull it apart and Beautiful. then eat chocolate bar is actually individually wrapped.
1: And wow. In, for those, and by the way, for product. those on the, yeah, for those on the, on the podcast, that can't can see you, you. Send
0: me some, uh, your addresses cause I'll be sending you a shipment. <laughs> and then they're individually wrapped. So you can't create great products that is differentiated. That also meets the friction point of the consumer unless you know your consumer. And I would say the best um, things that we have done is to really understand the broad piece of the consumer, and then really figure out what are the friction points, and then how can we be true to our brand and create innovation that is a solve.
1: That's great. Do you do you um, so do you have a sense of how? big the customer base is in terms of number of customers do you think like that do you think okay we have x millions of customers or do you tend to think more in terms of channels or revenues or product lines how how do you think about your customer that way
0: we think about it in both ways so we think about the segment the candy bar segment as an example is huge then we look at channel distribution what are the different channels Because for this, it could be very big in consumer packaged goods, but also in travel retail. Then, how do you ensure that you're meeting the needs of other channels with the same product line as well?
1: Got it. And do you um, do you tend to where where would you say you have the strongest connection to your customers directly? Is it through your digital channels—is it in your stores? Um, you know, and and how much how and, and how much does having a uh, either a data-driven marketing relationship or a digital relationship play into all that? Like, give, give me a sense of like where where do you have the best surface area for that? It is
0: so critical, Adam, and it's such a great question. I think if you look at Godiva, maybe three years ago, it would have been the physical interaction is the most important. That's when you have the highest engagement but today, even pre-COVID, it is the digital. It is about how you're connecting with that individual, whether it's through the loyalty program, how you communicate through emails, and then how are you synthesizing the data? Because consumers, they want to be special. So how can you ensure that you're leveraging the data so that you could talk to a person digitally on a one-to-one basis, almost like as if he or she were coming into your stores, and I think that is so important. And I know that you and Ben have so much expertise in that area, and you'll be able to help so many people out.
1: Yeah, that's great. Do you? Do you? So now, I love what you said earlier that the um, you you had a four-year plan for digital penetration <laughs> in terms of and and it and you sort of made your goals in one year. Uh, in terms of that plan, do you how how do you see this? You know, going back, uh, you know, at, you know, at some point in the future, do you think that you know you'll you'll keep that sort of traction, or do you think it sort of goes back to um, where it was, or somewhere in between?
0: I think the consumer has changed forever. I think that the duration of what's happened to everybody across the globe, and I also feel. Um, You know, the question that you asked earlier, how do you run your company? Are you going to keep things? Absolutely. And I think that's what the consumer expectation is now. So I think digital is even more important. It was already important pre-COVID, but now it's even more important. And so for organizations, if they don't have a good loyalty program where they're building that frequency they're figuring out how to communicate in an appropriate way they're really missing out and synthesizing how their customers are shopping between multiple channels to have that omni-channel view is going to be really really important.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And then, um, one last question, sorry, Ben, and I know you have other questions for Annie, but one one other question I wanted to ask you, Annie, is do you like when you saw the the percentage of digital engagement go from you know whatever percentage it was to now a much greater percentage what what are some of the things either challenges or benefits? I mean, you mentioned some of the benefits a second ago, but like what what all of a sudden what what were some new problems you either had to solve or um or opportunities or knowledge or insights that you got that you didn't have before? Either one.
0: I think for us, it was more on the back end because our company was originally founded with brick and mortar and it was high-end boutique. Now, as you think about all your function, supply chain, fulfillment, you've got to pivot much more quickly to something that's different. And just the processes itself is one area. For us, when you're ramping up and it's not like a curve, it was like almost a spike. The biggest thing is making sure that you delight your customers. So the fulfillment front, and I'll use Mother's Day as an example, was incredible because you had people that um, we use a third party. How do you ensure that you're engaging with your partners to fulfill appropriately and how can they keep up with the demand? And nobody wants to di- disappoint their moms, so you can't you can't make sure enough that everything got delivered on time for people's parents.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and um,
2: I'm curious how that uh, extends to uh, you know different parts of the globe. I mean, any um, leading yeah. a, a global organization, uh, uh, you know. Um, a very well-respected and and, um, loved brand around the world. How how have you had to sort of adapt to um, these changes in consumer behavior and changes in the back end to to support and scale a global operation?
0: Yeah. You know, lots of learning from China, and I'm sure many organizations that are global are getting the insight, and then it's how do you migrate as, as quickly as you can. And I think that we were really fortunate to have processes in place like crisis management. We were on our executive committee. we were on daily calls. And sometimes it was hourly on just pivots and changes. But specifically to your question, I think it's also making sure that not only is your folks safe, your customers safe, but looking at those opportunities that you could move really quickly. I'll give you an example. Um, we changed our policies in which we were doing almost uh, social selling in China in our individual stores, and we hand selected.
2: Sorry to interrupt, but when you say social selling, what can you describe? What that? What so that is?
0: it would be just think of it as a podcast, but you're you're you get to see people. You're leveraging it. They're doing it on WeChat today. So they're leveraging the WeChat platform. They're hosting, you know, they're doing it on TikTok, having engagement through the store, one to many, opening it up, having conversations about chocolate pairings. And it was something that we probably would not have done because there were so many opportunities for failure, yet it was... Incredibly successful individual stores, they were not in uniform.
2: That is very cool, it's a big yeah. thing.
0: They got to bring out their own uh, personalities and uh, they leverage some key influencers uh, to come into the store to really engage. We changed our entire digital engagement in the US as well. We did cooking shows with our chef, Mm -hmm. Chef Terry, our Belgian chef that's in the U.S. He did a series on, you know, cooking show. One was on chicken mole, which, as you know, chicken mole, you need good chocolate. He did pairings. We did shows on uh, chocolate scones because the consumer here were baking at home, cooking at home with more time. So we shifted based on the needs of the consumer in each of the market, and we migrated learning. The other thing that we did is we gave back. So when you think about who was fighting COVID at the time, you know, it was January, it was March, it was the frontline healthcare workers. So we elected to partner with major hospitals and donate chocolate and our biscuits to all the frontline workers. And we did that across the globe. And everybody was masked up, but you Mm -hmm. could see, Their smiles through their eyes. And it was something that gave us an opportunity to say thank you, but also gave our entire organization such pride that we were able to contribute in a meaningful way. And chocolate is happiness. You want to make someone happy give them the chocolate like i'm gonna give all of you that's on there. <laughs> that
2: that's makes great. me very are happy those, is that uh, are those videos still available or are they? are they on youtube or how, how oh yeah can, yeah and
0: know. you know what they were making videos for us they were like yeah. making videos and sending it in and their posts it, it was great
2: that's very cool that is cool um, it, well that and that's not a that's not a bad segue to, to something else that we uh, Adam and I like to do um, on this podcast and also just when we're um, uh, uh, talking about um, what's what's happening in the industry and, and what uh, particular brands are doing that we think are, is really interesting. And one of the questions we like to pose is, you know, um, can be a small you know local merchant or somebody very uh, big and established but, are there are there a couple of examples of, of companies or brands that are doing things in your view that are particularly interesting or um, uh, noteworthy um, at this at this stage um, of the of the pandemic?
0: You know, one of the first things when this happened is we looked at, hey, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? Mm-hmm. And. Who the people that we should learn from. And one of the things that we talked about is making sure that we stay true to ourselves and making sure that we engage when we have the right to engage. And there were some, I would say, painful lessons that we were able to learn from people that had made big mistakes. I think the brands that did the best were the ones that engaged appropriately, and then they also gave back.
1: And so mm-hmm. as you
0: guys know, I'm on the board of Young Brands and I can't be more proud of what David Gibbs and the Young organization did on a couple of fronts. One, they highlighted uh, the frontline workers. And you talk about, you know, people wanting a little bit of happiness. Uh, you have your Pizza Hut. People were delivering. You have people that were working in restaurants. The frontline is so important. And his most recent announcement of giving $100 million to businesses that, are, um, that could help thrive in this new environment. So I think when companies stay true to who they are, they honor their employees and they give back. That is the secret sauce for success because I think consumers are really smart. They see through the BS. It's how are you authentic? to who you are. And those are the brands that have done the best. And I think there are so many individuals that have also contributed greatly where they leverage their um, power for the good of the people. And I could give you several examples of those people as well. But um, I think there's, in this horrible, horrible situation, there are so many bright lights that mm-hmm. we can grab onto and learn from. And I know that I've learned from so many.
2: Yeah, that's um, that's a really a great way to put it. And I'm just thinking about what you were saying earlier about um, how prepared Godiva was in, in hindsight, how prepared Godiva was to uh, weather the storm and, and respond very quickly to these changes. And then Similarly, the example that you gave with with Yam and some of the other brands that you're talking about reminded me of a. I'll get the quote wrong exactly, but um, somebody asked uh, uh, Michelle Obama about the nature of the presidency, and she said, "Well, it doesn't change who you are; it just highlights who you are," um, which I think is 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 what we're seeing with a lot of companies that you know the culture and the way of operating and the nature of the business um, before the pandemic um, is highly predictive of how the company is doing now um, in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, uh, it's just interesting to think about um, uh, what's happening now and how companies are responding through that, through that lens.
1: What um, one question I have for you, Annie, is what, what do you think is, this is kind of a tactical question, but I'm curious, what do you, we're, when you think about growing godiva mm-hmm. uh, either you know revenues or customers or both uh, or just building the brand in general do you are you are you more focused on your existing customers or getting in new customers or is it a balance and what are some of the more um, right now for you and your team what are some of the more important marketing or engagement platforms that you're taking advantage of
0: Great question, Adam. I would say it's making sure that we cultivate the customers that we have and reach out to them more frequently as well. You know, it, we play in a big, big, giant category as well as acquiring more customers and both of those. You need to make sure that you understand your customers, you understand your Um, own result and what's working, what's not faster than what was appropriate years ago. So loyalty programs could be very, very helpful because it enables you to test and learn very quickly. And I don't think that there's going to be a bifurcation ever of physical and digital. It's just one now. It's how the consumer lives and it's how business has to live. And I think that uh, what you and Ben and the team here are building is so incredible because you're going to be able to help many, many businesses reach their goals.
1: What do you think? uh, Thank you. And what what do you think about the world going forward? Like when you look out, you know, I mean, you said it earlier, Annie, you know, the the consumers changed in ways that are never going to go backwards. It's really been transformational Uh, when you look out 12, 24, 36 months from now, um, you know, how do you think retail will be different or how do you think the the consumer or the digital consumer will be different?
0: I think the expectation of the digital consumer is going to be amplified. They're going to want better experiences and there's going to be no excuse for people that don't have the digital component. That's, that's going to be one. You'll be just not in the, in, in the playing field. And I also think the physical environment, the physical experiences that is going to be amplified as well, because if you could be at home, order it from your app, what would make you want to cross that threshold of doing it physically? So I think everything has to be much more vivid than what it was before. And I think that much more purpose-driven as well. You know, yeah. I think as we move forward, there's a lot more packages being delivered. How do we ensure that we're thinking through the footprint that we're leaving behind? And so sustainability, I think is gonna be really front and center. I order from Amazon and you know, I just wanna make sure that I'm doing the right thing on creating the great footprint for the world.
1: That's great. Well, Annie, it's been great having you. Uh, you are like the perfect guest. You have so much to add. Uh, we could sit here all day, but I just, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Uh, it's it's great to be with you again. I feel like I'm working with you again. It's great. Yeah. You guys thank,
0: so proud uh, of you.
2: <laughs> Thanks Annie. And, uh, We'll definitely get you our addresses so we can get some of that chocolate. Yeah, no,
0: send it to me. I'm serious. I'll send you the whole collection. <laughs> maybe are- we
2: could maybe we could do a little giveaway for our uh, our massive
1: audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever you
0: want. We'll do,
1: a, we'll do a sweepstakes or something.
0: <laughs> Whatever you want. But best of luck. I know you guys are going to continue to do great things, and I think that um, anyone would be lucky to work with you guys. Lots of brain power. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Really enjoyed
2: it. Yeah, thank you, Annie. And thanks, Adam, for another great conversation. Talk to you later.
1: Bye. See ya. Thanks
0: so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.